Section two of a short description of Tor Abbey by Hugh Robert Watkin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Church. As a result of further excavation in March 1911, the foundation of a building running 43 feet northwards from the northwest corner of the church, and thus forming a western enclosure to the cemetery, was discovered. Although the width was quite untraceable owing to the lower level and cultivation of the present garden, it is probable that this building was symmetrical with the guest hall to the south of the west end of church. There is nothing to suggest what purpose it served. From the position, the building could scarcely have been one of the three gatehouses, but was probably further accommodation for guests, added simultaneously or subsequent to the addition of the north aisle. Forming the east end of the vestry are two buttress-like walls adjoining, but not built into, the west wing. These are all that is left above ground of this end of the church, and formed the southwest corner. The orientation or exact eastern position of the abbey church was the same as that of Tor Parish Church, that is, due east by a magnetic compass. April 1907 the building was dedicated to the Holy Trinity, the Saviour, and the Virgin Mary. St. Norbert enjoined the Cultus Marianus, or veneration of the Virgin Mary, as one of the first duties of the Primonstratensian order. Almost all the churches of the order were dedicated to the honour of St. Mary. It was longer than any other sacred edifice yet built in Torquay measuring a hundred and sixty-eight feet or only seven feet shorter than the nave of exeter cathedral from west end to organ screen the width like all premonstratensian churches not originally intended for lay congregations was extraordinarily narrow only twenty-five and a half feet this was increased in the early part of the fourteenth century by the addition of a north aisle which made the total width of the church forty feet a careful examination of the west wall of the north transept during the excavations in nineteen eleven showed the broken end of this wall from which the newer facing had fallen proving indubitably the alteration in the original work unlike many of the other churches of the order in england which were much altered the north aisle was the only serious addition and the abbey church of tor retained its original simplicity of structure consisting of north and south transepts square east end and tower over the crossing nave and aisle the top of what is left of the masonry of the west entrance is eighteen inches below the ground and the floor roughly levelled with pieces of slate from which the red yellow and black paving tiles have been removed is three and a half feet below the present surface of the ground as the outside level of the ground was two and a half feet below the present pathway there must have been one or two steps down into the church the proportionate widths of nave and aisle are shown in the ends of the three walls seen across the lawn which now covers the body of the church outside the north wall of the church was a vallum or ditch nineteen inches wide at the top tapering to fifteen inches at the bottom 
The object of this ditch, which descends to the level of eighteen inches below the floor of the church, was to keep the building dry from the drainage of cemetery and ground which rises gradually to the north behind the church. In this ditch were found large pieces of the stone moulding of the windows, which the despoilers had not troubled to raise from where they had fallen. Two small fragments of stained glass testified to what the windows contained. The ditch was further examined in 1911 and found to be strongly arched and covered at the western end, which was partly explained by the necessity of conducting the water under the adjacent building running northwards. The drainage was thus carried into the open conduit. The north aisle was probably lit by five windows, one in each bay, of the period known as the decorated Gothic. This fact and consideration of the ground plan fixes the date when the aisle was added as early in the fourteenth century in the course of search for foundation of the screen a recess for mural effigy was found with interment beneath adjoining the north wall fragments of canopy and the upper part of a tonsured head in beer stone were recovered and in all probability this is the tomb of abbot simon de plimpton during whose term of office, 1330 to 1345, evidence suggests the aisle was added. Inside, along the whole length of the walls and the body of the church, ran a ledge of masonry, 14 inches wide and 10 inches above the floor. The object of this ledge was explained by the fact that the plaster, still adhering to the walls, ended abruptly 4 inches above the ledge which had evidently carried a thick wooden seat, the plaster continuing under the seat to the floor level. The south side of the nave adjoined the garth, or square, in which were the cloisters. From this, and the evidence of the masonry forming the junction of the south wall with the tower, the nave was lit on the south side by a clerestory, or series of upper windows only so that the garth should not be overlooked from the church. A door in the southwest corner gave access from the garth into the nave. This was used for processional purposes, and would only be occasionally opened. In 1911 another entrance was found, by means of which the canons reached their stalls direct from the garth. The foundation of the stalls was just traceable east of this door, and on the west side, the base of the rood screen crossing the nave and terminating at the first column. Adjoining the south wall, and west of sight of screen, some sixteen tiles, much worn and broken, were found in situ. To ascertain what form the colonnade took proved a difficult matter. The end of the centre wall of the three remnants above ground was first examined, and excavation revealed the well-marked base in bare stone and the bottom of the shaft of a triple column. The centre column was thirteen inches, flanked by two smaller pillars, seven inches in diameter. Projecting from this, on the north side, down the body of the church, was a narrow strip of wall, fourteen inches wide, four feet three inches long from the line of the front of these columns terminating in some ornamental stonework which had been broken away 
no corresponding wall ran parallel to it but it probably marks a parclose screen three small pieces of broken tiles in situ at this point against the north wall showed the true level of the floor quite three feet six inches below the surface part of a capital with square abacus and floriated overlow lying on the end of this wall probably once surmounted the terminal column of the arcade having ascertained a similar projecting pier from the west end the space was divided into three spans and the ground removed on the probable site of the first column the excavation revealed a double tomb again dividing the distance in two a single interment was discovered instead of the expected base the inference that the column would be between the two was only proved by careful examination of the ground which showed a distinct circle of hard compressed clay filled in with loose rubble from this space doubtless the beer stone base of the column had been entirely removed and measurements showed the arcade to have consisted of five bays the tombs accidentally discovered contained no indication for whom they were intended the double tomb lying under the second arch was formed of three well-built parallel walls of about one foot in thickness the half on the north side being two feet wide that on the south one inch less the excavation was three feet below the church floor about six feet six inches below the present surface space had evidently been too limited as a curious fact revealed there was no head wall an examination showed that it had been taken away and the clay end hurriedly plastered over william son of the last roger de cockington and joanna his wife subsequent to thirteen thirty were buried in the abbey church opposite the shrine of saint john the baptist which probably found place against the first column doubtless finding that the clay was sufficiently solid in the alteration made to the double tomb when the next interment took place in the third archway no attempt was made to use masonry and the sides were simply thickly covered with plaster on which four black crosses were painted unlike the other two this grave was narrower at the foot than at the head and eighteen inches deeper we have no clue who the occupant was end of section two